from the Auto Line Studios. Here is your host, John McElroy. Want to thank you all for joining us on Auto Line this week. The topic is all about batteries batteries for hybrid cars, plug ins, and pure electrics as well. And I've got three experts to help us get into that discussion, starting with Anne Marie Sastry, the CEO of a company called SACT3. I should also say she started that company. We've got quite the entrepreneur here. Prabhakar Patil is the CEO of a company called LG Chem. They make cells and full batteries as well. And we've also got Brett Smith, the Program Director for Industry Analysis at the Center for Automotive Research. And great to have the three of you on AutoLine this week. Great to be here, John. Great to be here. Thank you. Brett, why don't I start with you? You're somebody who sits back and looks at everything and everybody involved in this whole an EV endeavor. Mm-hmm. Sales of EVs quite haven't panned out like people thought they would. Where do you see this all going right now? Well, I think it's interesting that you say it hasn't panned out as people thought they would. I think if you talk to the engineers in 2008, 2009, I think they'd be thrilled. They'd be proud of where it is now. It's a big leap. So what you're saying is the experts knew it wasn't going to meet the I, hype that the we were hearing. The experts knew that there was important hype there. Hype was good and bad in some instances, but it created momentum to get us to where we are now. It is not an easy task. It's really a challenge to create a battery that is cost effective in this in this market. But I think so in terms of where we have come from to where we are now, it's been a fabulous tour. It's a remarkably long challenge to get to the next steps, but it's a good step forward. Prabhakar, you're making batteries right now. You've got a career that also included Ford and helped them get into the hybrid market. How do you see it going? Yeah, I, I agree with Brett because I think there was a lot of hype. Uh, unfortunately, it was also necessary. Mm-hmm. to get the attention and the funding that it needed. So it, it has had some bad side effects. But without that, we wouldn't be where we are. So I'm happy in terms of the progress that has been made. Same question, Anne-Marie. How do you see it? As an entrepreneur, I mean, we're at about 20 to 25 percent of what the federal government estimated or, or uh, set as a target. We're uh, generating as a nation... Uh, about 30% more hybrid electric vehicles and electric vehicles than most experts projected in 2008. So the truth was someplace between, or the reasonable target was someplace between. Uh, Certainly the fact of hybrid and electric vehicles on the road makes it easier for companies like mine to raise the funds to go execute the next generation technology. So tell us a little bit about your company. Why have you started a battery company and where does it stand right now? So why we started the company was uh, pretty simple. We didn't see the technology advancing uh, very, very rapidly in the incumbent technology, which are made by a process called lamination. So the way that all battery cells are made today is by uh, aggregating particles and winding them and filling them with a liquid or a gel. That has positives and negatives. We um, understood from the math and physics we were doing that we would be able to make limited gains in energy density, which is the talk time on your phone or the range in your electric vehicle, unless we went to all solid construction. That's very challenging. So we knew we had years of work ahead of us. Uh, Where we are now is we're prototyping small cells at our Ann Arbor facility, and we believe we've set a record in energy density on scalable equipment of over 1,100 watt-hour per liter. That was hard won on a scalable tool set. And now, of course, the next thing for us to do is to make larger cells and go sell them. Good. And we'll get into more of that and where you see it going. But Prabhakar, you're part of uh, LG Chem. LG, of course, being uh, the the giant Mm -hmm. Korean Mm -hmm. conglomerate. Uh, you're not only making batteries here, but elsewhere in the world. Give us the viewpoint of how it's going from what LG is doing. Well, actually, I think it is going very well. I sort of surprised myself in terms of the level to which 
we've been able to improve the battery technology. Couple of mm -hmm. things, uh, you know, facts to take into consideration. When we supplied batteries for the Volt, which was 2010 to maybe about 2016, 17, the cost will actually have dropped by almost a factor of two. The energy density has gone up by 40, 50 percent. Uh, so in all dimensions, uh, there is substantial improvement that's been made over this span of time. And to put that in perspective, if you look at something like a lead acid or other kind of a battery technology, that's been stagnant for decades. So when you look at the rate of progress in batteries, you kind of have to keep that in mind. It's not as fast as it would be with silicon, but at the same time, I've seen a very dramatic improvement. And that's what sort of gives me confidence that we have a line of sight that will get us to making electrified vehicles mainstream. Brett uh, Prabhakar mentioned that maybe <clears throat> when we get out a couple of years, the Volt batteries will have dropped by a factor of two. Uh, as I'm sure you know, the Department of Energy has set a goal, or, or, or stated at least, I should say, that if you can get to $125 per kilowatt hour, mm -hmm. you're at about the same rough cost as using a, an internal combustion engine. How do you see the progress of the industry? Where do you think it stands right now? I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch because it's, you've got two folks working in that area who know maybe a lot more than I do on this, but on the acceptance side and, and on that long-term getting it into the market, it's still a long way off. We're not near that dollar figure that the government was looking for to get there, but we're getting closer. And as we get closer, do people start to become more and more comfortable with the technology and willing to pay a little more because it does offer some things? Or do they look at it and say, the value's just not there. And in five years, we're still not there. In eight years, we're still not there. In 10 years, maybe we're there. But that's a long way out still. And I think that challenge to get to cost equal, cost parity is, is huge. But maybe that's not how, how we look at it in the future. Maybe there's a different vehicle. It's a different set of requirements that it meets, a different set of consumer acceptance that it looks for. Because one-on-one -on -one for the next five to eight years, it's probably not going to be the same vehicle. How do you convince the consumer that, yes, it's, it's different, but equally as good or even better? Prabhakar, uh, there's been some uh, analysts out there who are estimating Tesla's battery cost today is around $240. I saw an MIT study that said most batteries are probably in the $400 per kilowatt hour range. Can you talk about costs? How about them estimates? <laughs> well, I think everybody will have their own estimate. What I can tell you, because I cannot directly quote battery costs, uh, as a supplier, uh, but what I can tell you is that the goal of getting to the 200-mile range vehicle and with a price tag of under 35000 is real, and that's something that we feel very confident being able to support in the 2017 kind of a time frame. And 2017, yeah. 200 miles range. Under thirty-five thousand dollars, right. I mean, I mean, I don't set the vehicle price. Right, right, right. That's right. what the vehicle OEMs do, but we believe that that's realistic, and based on what's happening in terms of the battery costs mm -hmm. and so forth. So that is, you know, significant progress. Mm -hmm. And I guess the yeah, go ahead. It's it's still not there. No, no, no. Correct, correct, correct. Forwards. Compared to yes. compared to where we were. It again gets you to that point of correct. for where the consumer starts to look at it and think, hmm, maybe there's a real value here that's or right. a different <laughs> value here. I think that now it's, it's a huge leap for a consumer. Uh, the prices you quote or suggest, it's, it's not a huge leap. And you know, the other point that I'd like to make, just as you're uh, referring to earlier, 
that people say, oh, I don't want to pay a gasoline tax to fix the roads, but yet they may be paying four or $500 a year to fix their vehicles because of bad roads. A similar analogy here, uh, as you know, I think we keep adding about three and a half, four billion tons of CO2 to the atmosphere every year, coming from burning off gasoline or fossil fuels. You yourself said it's 20 pounds of CO2 for every gallon of gasoline. That amazed me. That, that amazed me to learn that if you burn one gallon of gasoline, and a gallon of gasoline weighs about six pounds, <laughs> but when you, you burn it or run it through an engine, you create 19 to 20 pounds of CO2 because each of those molecules bonds with oxygen and that adds yeah. the weight. And, and the point is with the population of vehicles on the road and that kind of added CO2, it's not going to be without consequences. And so we will have to pay for it in some other ways. And so we have to figure out exactly. We have to figure out. They have to have these alternative solutions that we need to take forward. And I think it is happening. Let's go back to the cost. What do you think about this DOT goal of 125? And good goal. Uh, our target is to get to 100. And uh, at that point in time, uh, there will not only be parity, but probably an advantage mm -hmm. in owning an electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. Is it crazy? It's not crazy. With solid state processing, you can get there. In the near term, what we're going to see necessarily are system solutions, which I think is great. So I.e. just don't rely on the battery to get us there. It'll be hybrid electric vehicles. It'll be ZEV credits. It'll be uh, uh, reimbursement by the government for buying uh, a hybrid vehicle or an electric vehicle. It'll be inducements, free chargers, uh, business um, uh, tax relief. There'll be a constellation of efforts by the government to support the industry, which is good. That's different than having a sustainable technology inside the vehicle. Mm -hmm. All technologies hope to walk there. We used to have very inefficient dishwashers and washing machines in this country until Energy Star, and it was a huge penalty uh, for the government to pay to make up the difference until appliance technology got to a point where things were in rough parity with the old technology. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a system solution that's going to convert to a device solution. Um, as far as the grid is concerned, you're right, uh, the um, carbon emissions from IC engine-driven vehicles is really consequential. Again, there we're seeing a system solution, right? We're seeing a solution where uh, there's an incentive for the government to um, try to promote use of clean vehicles through tax incentives and so forth. Uh, that will include taxes on uh, less clean energy generation, like taxes on coal-fired plants and so forth. So. The vehicle is so interesting because it touches all of these other system mm -hmm. solutions, but it would be great to get to a point, and we will get there, where the sustainable vehicle happens, and it's also a vehicle that capitalists can kind of get behind and say, you know, we yeah, don't need to regulate this thing into it. It's I want to hasten to add, too, that if you look at light vehicles, the ones that are being regulated, passenger cars mm -hmm. and, you know, light-duty mm -hmm. pickups, they account for about 18, 1-8% of all CO2 emissions in the United States. Mm -hmm. So even though... It's contributing hugely to the problem. Let's not get carried away here too much in terms of putting the whole burden on the automotive industry to clean it up. Yeah. And John, people understand fuel economy. How many people out there who buy vehicles understand CO2 emittance and what their vehicle emits per mile? It's a real leap. So. We can tell people, you're getting better fuel economy. They can, but when they, you say, oh, by the way, now we're flipping it and we're trying to get lower GHG, they look at you, most of them, and say, what's GHG, or why does that matter? You know, Greenhouse gases. Mm -hmm. And how do I pay for that? And yes, it's, it becomes a real challenge in marketing to a large majority of the U.S. 
Uh, hey, I want to go back to the price. You said $100 per kilowatt hour you think is achievable. When? Probably uh, within uh, two years in consumer electronics and not long after that for vehicles. Uh, as you've seen in battery technologies, including lead acid and its uh, follow-on technologies, nickel cadmium, nickel metal hydride, and now lithium ion, batteries start off going into consumer electronics. So when we started the company, we were pretty clear about that. Yeah, we want to go make batteries for electric vehicles. That's one of the big reasons we started the company, but we will go through CE first. The interesting thing is different technologies are, uh, have different scalability. So with solid state processing, which is the kind of processing we do, in the same assembly line, you could make batteries of a different form factor. Right now, that's a little challenging to do with the lamination technology. Um, not only will we see advancements, though, in my favorite subject, in batteries, we'll also see advancements in system solutions. We'll also see uh, less complexity in packs as battery cells get safer. We've already seen that. We'll see uh, more common platforms for recharging, and all of that is going to make uh, the total vehicle cost cheaper. I, I do want to point out something, and I think Brett and Prabhakar would probably agree with this. The consumer very clearly sees the CapEx up front. The consumer very clearly sees a price tag that's five dollars to $10,000 higher mm -hmm. for a mm -hmm. hybrid vehicle or an electric vehicle in the same vehicle class. And if you ask the consumer, well, can't you just calculate the gas money that you won't be paying if you buy this vehicle? The reality is not everybody has that money mm -hmm. to pay up front. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes it's not that people don't want to do it. It's just to reach into your pocket or to go to your loan officer and say, it's another 5 or 10K is very difficult for a lot of families to do. Great point. Great point. Prabhakar, what do you think of this uh, $100 uh, target and achievable in that time frame? Well, I think that's, that's something that I'm looking forward for Andrew to get to. <laughs> He's going to uh, leave that to uh, us. That's right. and, and, and again, I guess I don't know whether you meant at cell level or at the pack level. Cell level. Yeah, that's because the, I think the other targets were at the pack level. And that gets into an interesting point as well, because on the battery electric vehicles, the cells make up maybe 60 to 70 percent of the cost of the pack. If you go to the HEVs, that drops to 50 percent. Mm -hmm. And if you go to 48-volt system, it actually flips. The cells are only 30 to 40 percent. So it's some of the other stuff that needs to come down in which, cost as well. Which is, which is part of the system solution right, we have today, right, because today's right. battery cells are made with uh, electrolytes that, that can burn. And um, so when you switch to a different processing approach, you probably wind up dismantling some, if not all, of the system costs associated mm -hmm. with that. And we just put a video on YouTube showing dropping so hot soldering flux onto our battery and it keeps cycling. And it's, it's a little bit of a battery hooliganism, but the point is, is that you can make these things safer. I, I would say to Provoker's point, uh, uh, LG has made enormous advancements, and Provoker's, of course, been a big part of that, and we're all you know, grateful for the people who've come in and sort of said, okay, we're going to go execute this thing. The ratio of the bill of materials to the cost of goods sold, uh, what we call the bomb to the cogs, is really consequential, right? Because um, in today's battery cells, the bomb to cogs ratio, the cost of just the materials, the stuff in the battery over the cost of goods sold, is a really high number. It's 80 or 90 percent. So that means the, the way to really attack the problem of battery cost is to get the materials cost down, which sort of gets to the gigafactory idea that I know you two. And that's Talk a great segue, it. although yeah. I'm making a mental note, bomb to cogs. Okay, <laughs> I've I got to remember that. I'll send you one. Point. <laughs> Brett, what do you think of the Gigafactory? You know, everyone keeps talking, or Elon Musk at Tesla keeps talking yeah. about we need scale, 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 and boy, he wants to build a lot of batteries. Scale is absolutely important in, in any business. Electronics, automotive are two absolutely important ones. 
Um, it'll be fascinating to watch. It really will. There's a lot of a lot of real solid stuff they do. They also do a lot of really good marketing. Um, I, maybe it'd be interesting to hear the the, the guy who runs a, build, a plant that actually builds stuff um, to tell us a little bit more about that, that. But I think the Gigafactory does push the envelope. It does it does make people think. It it does create potentially the opportunity for lower lower costs through volume. Um, I'm not sure it's as, as great as the, they say it is, but it's going to be fun to watch, and it will start to move that needle. Prabhakar, what do you think? Because this is sort of a build it and they will come approach. Mm -hmm. That's an awful lot of investment in a massive factory in an electric car market that may have hit what the engineers expected, mm -hmm. but not what these car companies planned on when they made their initial investments in these EVs. And I had to start out by saying I give a lot of credit to Tesla. Mm -hmm. They really have changed the perception and the image for what an EV should be, and it's getting a lot of attention. So I hope that they are successful in the plans that they're making. But as Elon has alluded to, it counts on about 500,000 vehicles because each vehicle will be about 70 kilowatt hours to get to the 35 gigawatt hour mm -hmm. capacity. And so the question is, can you get to those kinds of volumes because you're going to need multiple vehicle lines? The part that you know I will say is uh, it's uh, again I was mentioning to you before the goal of uh, 200 mile uh, under 35,000 is indeed achievable, which means that there will be competition. There'll be the other regular OEMs that are likely to be coming into the market as well. So if you don't have the scale, then you get into a challenge of realizing the efficiency. Because then it actually starts to work against you if you have a lot of installed capacity in place. So there's there's. The scale for the cells, there's the scale for the battery packs. They look to be doing other markets other than automotive. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not just a sell the cars, it's That's sell right. for right. solar and other and things. To get the solar city. Still a huge challenge. That's right. but it's, uh, and that I think back when, when the state of Michigan had so much investment um, in batteries, was I kept asking people, okay, what are they going to do to get over this, this valley of, of doom or valley of death for these startups or these new companies? What other areas can they sell their batteries to or what other things can they do to, to use that capacity it'll be interesting to see if tesla can do that and, it, and, can and in fact that's what you know we're doing because i don't know whether you saw but just install a 32 megawatt hour installation in california for a wind farm uh, support and in fact i think the market for the, what we call the energy storage is actually going to be bigger than even the automotive market. It's just slower to get there. And in fact, that announcement or what you're talking about is using batteries for distributed power or energy storage is what sent Tesla stock through the roof mm -hmm. when people realized, oh, this might be more than just an automotive mm -hmm. play. Mm -hmm. But uh, Anne-Marie, I'm um, interested in w w what's your reaction to the Gigafactory? It's 18650s, which is interesting. Which uh, means the, the laptop type 18, battery. 18 millimeters on diameter and 65 millimeters long. And it's sort of a laptop or camera battery. You've seen them. And it's an interesting choice, right? Because a lot of battery companies uh, sort of hung their hat on a particular form factor, what we call a form factor, which is a XYZ dimensions, right? And the 18650 uh, supply was inadequate to supply Tesla's targeted production. So they're scaling up 18650s. Um, that drops you into a particular form factor that you engineer around. And every, every battery company has placed a bet at this point in time. Mm -hmm. How we've looked at the space is that you ought to be able to make that an adjustable parameter. Uh, again, our thinking is in solid state, you can have any XY area you like and build up a prismatic cell to fit 
and fill volume in any setting. So mathematically, it's the best answer. In the interim, before the world gets to solid state, the world will get to solid state. We hope to be a big supplier in that, but the world will get there. It's a mathematical fact. Um, in the meantime, people will be worried about this form factor and all of the system costs that build up around that. And this is a, a huge production mm -hmm. facility. So what you're saying is that you can configure your battery shape and size to package mm -hmm. more easily in a car? It, yes, yeah. and it can be space filling. In fact, I agree, and that's the same thing we do with the laminated, the pouch yeah. cell is, and you know, our direction is to go for the largest cell that we can make, so you cut down on the number of cells which then cuts down on the overhead that you have to have in the pack, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a different approach. And it, plus having the flexibility, as Anne-Marie says, when you get to those kinds of volumes, you're going to have different footprints in the vehicle that are available for packaging the battery. And, and so you have to be able to support that. And you have to manage <coughs> how the battery behaves. So today, uh, in, in general, in an electrochemical system, if you warm it up, it tends to have higher energy density. But in a system with secondary reactions like a lamination cell, it can degrade over time. And so right now, part of the system solution is not only how you pack the batteries in, but how you keep them cool, how you space them, how you put in heat sinks, how you terminate them. And these are issues with the today technology that when we get to solid state, we won't have. But in the interim, what we'd all like to see is a sturdy, robust battery business built up with a combination of technology and incentives that makes it possible for families to afford electric vehicles. Brett, it's, it's interesting, you know, we all grew up with lead-acid batteries, nickel-metal mm -hmm. hydride came around mm -hmm. for a while, now we're on to lithium-ion. i got to believe there's other, Anne-Marie's working on this stuff. Isn't there a possibility that there's something out there that could totally disrupt everything that we've been talking about? Several years ago, someone from a Japanese company pulled me aside and said, I see what they're doing. I'd like to take you back to our facility in Japan and show you what's really happening. I'm sure you've all you've got the labs back, and, and it's fascinating what's happening. And that, that I think is Amory, your point on an interesting point on Tesla is they seem to be an, an old school traditional solution. Well, it's it's an existing platform which was part of their business strategy. It was drive to commodity pricing and then build up a system that enabled you to utilize that technology. It's a good strategy. It's just different than the other strategies. Yeah, and I guess the other thing I point to what Anne Marie is doing is also lithium ion. It's a different way of ma ma making the... It's a lithium battery. Right, we we right. typically call it lithium rather than lithium ion, but it's a lithium battery. Because the, on the periodic table, lithium is the third lightest element. Hydrogen is good as a gas, but uh, volumetrically it stinks. Helium is inert. So there is not much more that you can do from the fundamentals point of view. There are people who are looking at things that can release two electrons as opposed to one. But I think lithium-ion is something, or lithium-based batteries is something that is going to be around for some time. And then there'll yeah. be other solid-state materials. Yeah. So there'll be other platforms, for sure. I mean, I, I think some of the challenges with fuel cells, I don't know if you want to talk about that in your program, John. Sure, no, that's... But some of the issues are... Because all exactly, fuel cells do is create the electricity instead of using a battery to store it. And as Prabhakar alludes to, it's very difficult to find something that's very lightweight that hydrogen wants to mm -hmm. adsorb into passively. And so storing it, moving it, transporting it, and then entraining it, uh, is very challenging. And I would add one more, manufacturing it. <laughs> because it takes energy to manufacture hydrogen. So which energy are you going to use to do that? But uh, Prabhakar, yeah, let's come back to that. 
and I have you on because you're the battery expert, but I hear things like zinc air batteries. Mm-hmm. Now, do you sit up at night worrying that no. something else is... No. no. <laughs> the, the zinc air has eye popping numbers in terms of energy density, but there is such challenges. You know, right now it's used for hearing aids and so forth. So I should clarify that my time scale is kind of my lifetime. Was okay. my, <laughs> Your career time, at least, right? Yeah, yeah. Ten to fifteen years yeah. is what I look at, uh-huh. and you no, know, within that, given the challenges that that we have, I don't believe that there is going to be anything else on the road. I think, John, that's interesting, and understand that as, as they're developing technologies, it still takes two to four years from the time it's Connect. signed off on to get into a vehicle because of the development yeah, process. It's, it's a, not the, the electronics world where you can put it in overnight. Connect. It's a long process. So as you're looking at something that is being yeah. signed off by a car company this today, it's still not in market until that's 2017, right. 2018 right. at that's best. That's why the 10 to 15 years is a very comfortable range to predict. I think those development cycles are actually changing. Uh, they're getting shorter and shorter. And part of it was uh, what you might call the excitement around electric vehicles in the 2008 timeframe, that most car companies are really moving to productize things much more quickly. And, you know, car companies now are pushing software changes right to your vehicle, which would have been unthinkable mm-hmm. uh, even five years ago, and now it's become normal. I would say this on the incumbent technologies. I mean, zinc air is obviously a primary mm-hmm. cell, so mm-hmm. you can't recharge it. Mm-hmm. So um, people go out and buy boxes of hearing aids that are, you know, are in, they're rather expensive, high energy density. Can you make it cycle? Who knows if that dog will hunt? Um, clearly, uh, solid-state lithium batteries will cycle and have double the energy density of what's out there now. Are there other technologies? The claims that people have put forward about the lamination technology to us are a little challenging to substantiate. Uh, to wit, uh, a lamination technology, today's technology, uses a porous material. Mathematically, there's only so much material you can pack in and still require some place for the lithium, um, for the electrolyte to move through the material. So that's a limitation. Then you have this sort of whack-a-mole problem. The more complex a system gets, the more changes affect the other components. And that's true in general in technology. So when we tend to see paradigm changes in technology, we tend to see a difference in manufacturing approach. Uh, We believe that, of course, prismatic cells are an obvious answer. I mean, you get a better packing fraction and you have better heat dissipation if your technology needs that. But going forward, packing the most energy storage material into the space is what needs to be done. And with that, I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap it up, but I want to thank all three of you. Anne-Marie Sastry, Prabhakar Patil, Brett Smith. Great discussion. I learned a lot. I know there's going to be more to learn, and I hope you'll join us in a future show when we talk more about electric vehicle batteries.